right, so it's the week after Easter. How's everybody's week? Wow, that was like super. You guys blew away 930. <laughs> and I'm sure some of you had a great week, and I'm sure some of you didn't. But, uh, but what we want to do, starting today and then for four weeks, is talk about, so we celebrate Easter, right? So Jesus dies on the cross. We celebrate the, the sin. He rises from the dead. But why? Like, what for? And so what we learned again last week was that what happens is when you receive Christ, the fact that he rose from the dead means he's still living. And so there's this amazing spiritual reality that we can't see, but that is super real. And what Jesus says is, my spirit, actually we will come inside you. That Jesus will actually live inside of us. And I love it when it says, because of the resurrection, that Jesus, because he rose from the dead, you and I can actually live a new life. So that's what we're going to look at. So for some of you, thank you for joining us. If you're new to K2, our mission is we want to invite you. We really want to invite you into this adventure of following God. There is a real, vital, experiential reality of knowing God. And so we want to invite you into that. And then for those of you who are already on the adventure, we want to equip you. How can we equip you to actually live it out? And so today, where our message is, we're going to talk about how to have an uprising at home. Because that's what we talked about last week. Easter was the ultimate uprising. An uprising is when the way things are, you finally realize they don't need to be this way. When you see a status quo or something going the way that you don't like it to be, you can cause an uprising, and then you finally realize the way things are, they don't need to be. And so Easter was God saying, you know what, the way things are, I don't want them to be that way. I don't want relationships to keep falling apart. I don't want people's hearts to be empty or filled with anxiety and fear. I don't want people to be judgmental. I, I want you to be connected to me. And so God caused an uprising, and the way things were, they never have to be that way again. But now we got to figure out, how can we live like that? How can Easter actually help us live a new life with Jesus? All right? So here we are. Today we're going to talk about how to have an uprising at home. How many of you would love to see an uprising happen at your home? <laughs> okay? Where the way things are, you could walk out of here today and go, okay, they don't need to be that way. And so whether it's marriage, your relationship with your kids, your roommate, the way things are, they don't need to be. So what we learned is that we can actually be alive to God. That's what Jesus kind of helped us understand, that we used to be, everybody was dead, the Bible tells us, spiritually. And when you're dead spiritually, you actually don't have the ability to respond. When someone's dead, they don't respond. And God says, guess what? You can't respond to me. But what Jesus does is he comes inside, and he's the one who was perfectly responsive to God, who always did what God wanted him to do. So Jesus now comes inside of us, and so what's great, the hope that he gives us is at home, when you leave here today, if you have received Christ, and if his spirit is inside of you, his spirit is one that's responsive to God. And so when you're responsive to God, you actually start to see God's stuff get done. So what would your home look like if there was an uprising? 
Some of you are a husband, a wife, a dad, a mom, son, daughter, brother, sister, roommate, whatever it is, okay? So go ahead, if you want to pull up our passage I'm going to teach from today is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Um, again, if you have the K2 app, you can, you can pull that up, and all the scripture and points will be right there on your phone for you. And you can pull out your paper Bible if you've got it, or it's right here up on the screen. All right, so here we go. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. See, there's Easter right there. The fact that your spirit actually gets united with Christ. If you have any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Okay? Now listen to this. I want you to think, start picturing your home now. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Hey, could somebody, hey, Anthony, is that you back there? Would you close the doors for me, buddy? Thanks. That'd be awesome. Too distracting out there, seeing everything that's going on. All right. So, so here's what I'd love for you to do. Um, I'm going to read a, a, a verse that, that is super important for us to understand. And so just bear with me. If you are actually sitting next to someone who's in your home, okay? If you're next to your husband, a wife, a child, your mom and dad, would you go ahead and just grab their hand? I just want you to grab the hand of anybody that you're sitting next to who's in your home. Okay? Now, you guys who are roommates, you might want to chill. Okay? <laughs> you don't have to hold each other's hands. Okay? But, but here's this, this verse. I want you to, to grasp this. Okay? Philippians 2.2 2 says this. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So when Paul is saying this, he's not talking to individuals. This is actually a communal command. He's talking to you. He's saying the way this works is you guys got to do this together. <laughs> if you're going to ever experience an uprising in your home and see the beauty of what God could do in your home, then this is what you got to do together. The full glory of the family is only when all the parties engage in it. But and this is really important but you cannot be responsible for the other party, okay? You are only responsible for yourself. So as I go through this message, okay, I don't want to see everybody sitting there with elbows jamming your partner, okay? <laughs> Did you get that? Did you hear that? This is for you, okay? But this is together. So 
As we go through this, I do, I believe with all my heart, there's a chance for an uprising in your family. There's an upri- there is a chance for you guys who, who have roommates, there's an up, a chance for an uprising. The way things are, they don't need to be. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead to empower us, to make us able to live new lives, okay? All right, so if you already quit holding hands, grab it again, <laughs> and let me pray for you, okay? And I'm gonna pray, and just open your heart to see if this God that we've been learning about who speaks might speak to you about how you could help make something beautiful in your home, okay? Lord, you know, oh, do you know, there's not one secret in this room that's hidden from you. You know all things. You know every struggle. You know every tension. You know the hearts and the desires that are in this room right here for families, for marriages, for parent and child relationships. God, for friendships and roommates, people who are living together, you know the situation. And I'm asking right now, in the name of Jesus, just for your grace and your mercy, for the kingdom of God, for your way to be made clear to us so that we can understand the life that you want to offer everyone in this room. And I ask that you might just do that by your grace and your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You can let go. All right. So here we go. Here's the overarching principle, okay? The overarching principle about how you can have an uprising at home. It's in verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 3. says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. All right? Any of you ever selfish at home? Okay, you're liars, so we could talk about that, because you know you are. I mean, as soon as you see, every time I see this, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is our MO, and I'm asking you, man, be ruthless with yourself today, okay? Be honest with yourself. Home is the place where selfish ambition, I believe, comes out the most, Really, who we really are, the selfish nature comes out at home. Because lots of times we just feel like, well, I can, I can be this way at home. <laughs> because you're stuck with me. <laughs> right? I mean, you go to work, it's like you got to put on a mask, right? you got to act a certain way. Or when you go to school, you have to act a certain way so that people accept you so that you can, won't lose your job. And yet, you can lose your relationship even if you're sticking together Because at home, somehow we just go, okay, this is just who I am. Now, here's what's interesting. What the Bible calls sin is at its core just selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. The reason it says that is because selfish ambition is the antithesis of God. That's what it is at its core. I care more about me than I do God or you. That's just the antithesis of God. So it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What's vain conceit? The word is really interesting. It means empty glory. Here's here's two definitions for vain. This is really interesting. The first definition of vain is having an excessively high opinion of yourself. Okay? So don't do anything with an excessively high opinion of yourself. And then the second definition is 
it produces no results. It's useless, right? If something is vain, you know it was useless. Having an excessively high view of yourself, selfish ambition is useless, okay? So look at this. James 3, love this passage. You, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That is so strong. I don't know about you, but as soon as I hear the word demonic, don't you think of like some horror movie? Right? I mean, you think of some awful thing where somebody's head's spinning around. I mean, there's, it's like, ooh, it's demonic. And yet the Bible says, no, what's demonic is when you think about yourself. Are you kidding me? That's unspiritual, earthly, and demonic. Why? Because where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. And so some of you right now, in your home, it's disordered, man. It's disheveled. It's tension. It's dividing. There's no peace. There's anger. There's fights. There's quarrels. All this kind of stuff. Why? He goes, maybe at the core, there's selfish ambition. And so what's cool, you guys, is what we're going to see here is Jesus has zero selfish ambition. Okay? So here you go. Three super practical things. Okay? This, you're going to walk out of here today, and you are going to walk out with super practical stuff that you're going to be able to take home. And if you'll take this home and apply it, it will cause an uprising. Okay? Here's the first one. If you want an uprising in your home, the way things are, not going to be this way anymore, value each other. Value each other. Okay? Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is it, right here. So I I actually found this years ago, and I think this is so funny. Somebody said, when men get married, they hope their wife will always stay the same. And then she changes. And when women get married, they hope their husbands will change, but they stay the same. <laughs> okay, wow, that struck a chord of truth, right? See, what is that? What's that saying? It's like, hey, wait a second. I got ways that I want things, and you're not, com- you're not coming in line with those. It is so human, you guys, so human to want those in our home to be like us, to do it like us, to be interested in what I like and what I want to do, but that's the problem. It's human, okay? Man, our home, Ryan, my daughter's sitting here, right? Our home is hilarious. The interests in our home are off the charts. Mo's totally into arts, right? So the piano's playing, the ukulele, the guitar, she's dancing around our house. And then you've got Ashlyn, and she's the, our athlete. She's got the soccer ball, and she always wants to do adventures. So she's juggling the soccer ball all the time in the house. And then you've got Caleb. Caleb likes cars, parkour, graffiti, and rap. <laughs> I'd be like, how did that kid come out of me, Right? But, and so he's always flipping all over the place. And then you have Susie. And what's Susie like? Reading and quiet. <laughs> Fits in just perfect. Tofu and tea. 
<clears throat> and then there's me, right? And I just, I love fun. I love parties. I love people. I mean, it's just crazy. So here's a phrase you hear in our home all the time, almost every day. You'll hear this. Will you stop doing that? Right? Will you stop playing the piano? Will you stop juggling the soccer ball? Will you stop flipping around? Will you stop being you? Will you stop doing the thing that you're interested in? See? And so the example, and then for us as a family, when it comes to decide what to do as a family, like on a weekend or on a Saturday, it's absolutely crazy because we'll have five different things. We have all these interests, and they're completely different, so we usually just end up watching a movie, right? You guys too, huh? And then, like for myself, right? I've shared this with you guys. I know you probably get sick of this, but I, I actually made a decision when my kids were really little that every year uh, for their birthday, because I'm a big Lions fan, I buy them Lions apparel. <laughs> right? Why? Because I want them to share in my misery. <laughs> but that's not true. I, I actually did it because I wanted, them to, I wanted them to share Sunday afternoon with me. I wanted them to be sitting on the couch with me. I wanted, I wanted them to, who am I thinking about? I'm totally thinking about me. Happy birthday! Hey, why don't you like what I like? It's unbelievable. And here's what I found. Just this year, I finally... Only 52, finally figures out. I realize I'm actually, I'm being selfish on their birthday, and this is crazy. Like, Mo will wear a lion's jersey, but, but my other kids, they actually get bullied when they wear their lion stuff. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Ashton comes over, she goes, every time I wear this, everybody goes, yo, the lions suck, right? I mean, she's just like, Caleb last week came to me, and he said, Dad, I need a new hat. He goes, every time I wear the lion's hat to school, they always steal it from me and hide it. So my kids are being abused <laughs> by my interests. Okay, now think of it. Now, now I want you to just, there's some fun, and maybe you have some fun with the, the interests in your home, okay? Now let's start thinking seriously here. Some of you in this room, you have taken no interest in the interests of those that are in your home. So, could be your wife, could be your husband, your kids, your parents, doesn't matter, roommate. But you basically, inside your heart, what you do is you go, I, I just don't like it. Or I don't get it. Or I'm just not interested in it. And because you don't like it, because you don't get it, or you're not interested in it, you show no interest for the other person. Now, when you do that, that's absolutely being self-centered. And what does it do? What does it, what does it communicate to the other person who's wired that way and values this thing so highly? And yet you can just be like, you're really communicating. You're not that valuable to me. The essence of who you are and what you like is not worthy of my time. And I, I really want to challenge you guys on this. When you have no interest and what the person you live with is interested in, it is unspiritual, earthly, and demonic. Because it actually pulls you guys apart instead of bringing you together. So, 
How can you have an uprising in this area? How can you value each other? Because I'm telling you, if you'll do this, it will change your home. Okay? Now, there's three sub-points under this one, okay? So the first one is value each other, but the verse gives us three super clear things. Here's the first thing you got to do. Lead. Okay, write it down. Lead. When you look, oops, it was, uh, go ahead and put that verse up there. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Okay, so when it says, um, no, I'm sorry, 3 and 4. Sorry, that's not in my notes, so I'm messing up. There we are, perfect, thank you. Uh, when it says, in humility, value others above yourselves, in the actual Greek language, there's a, there's a word that's put in there. It says regard. So it says, in, in humility, regard others. Now, what's interesting about that word is at its core, the word means lead. And then it came to me, consider. What does that mean? Well, see, if I'm considering you That means I'm not sitting back waiting that you might do what I like to do. No, I'm considering you. I'm actually leading. I'm taking initiative in this. So, in humility, value others above yourself literally means, come on, in humility, lead. Be the first to initiate interest in the other person. You could go home and do this today. Do it all week long. Come on, guys. Lead and show interest in what your children are interested in. Show interest in what your spouse is interested in. Um, The Egriches have this great book called Love and Respect. And in this book, they give a perfect illustration where the Bible says that men, uh, husbands, love your wives and wives respect your husbands. And he says, so what happens is, is when a husband doesn't love his wife, then she begins not to respect her husband. And then as soon as the husband doesn't feel respected by his wife, what does she do? What does he do? He doesn't love his wife. So that makes her not respect her husband. So he goes, okay, then I'm not going to love you. Well, then I'm not going to respect you, right? And it's just a, next thing you know, your marriage is just falling apart. And so in the book, they go, how do you stop this cycle? And they go, somebody's got to take the lead. Somebody has to be the one to say, you know what? I'm going to stop caring about myself, and I'm actually going to care about you. So if you want to have an uprising in your home, then show interest in somebody. Take the lead. Number two, look. So lead, and then look. Okay? Look at what the verse says. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let me ask you a question. When you're at home, what are you fixated on? What are you focused on? Okay? I bet you any money, it's what you like. This is just what we do. It is so natural to be fixated and focused on our own interests. And yet, you got Jesus who's sitting inside of you, and he's going, hey, I got a whole different way. I can totally transform your home. Don't look to your own interests. And now all of us are going, whoa, what? How, how do I do this? It's crazy. Seriously, you're asking me to do this? Yes. If you would look to the other person's interests, fixate on that, focus on that, amazing things would happen. Okay? Lead, look, and the third one is, and then let go. Let go. Philippians 2, 5, and 6 says this. 
in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Okay? Now again, Easter happened, right? That means Jesus is inside you. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Okay? Now that is so interesting. Have the same mindset of Jesus. He never tried to grasp equality. You know what we do in our, isn't this what we do all the time? It's like, I want, this isn't fair. Yeah, we hear that all, this isn't fair, right? And then what, what are we doing? We're always trying to push for our thing to get done. I want to be first. Well, I want to go that, you know, um, uh, shotgun. You guys ever hear that one in your home? Shotgun. Well, what's that mean? Me. Me first. Well, you were there last time, so that means I should get it because we need to be equal. <laughs> and Jesus goes, I don't grasp equal. I could care less about equal. And if you're a Christian, he's inside you. Now, what's interesting about this word? When the word is used actively, it means the act of seizing something. So basically, it's like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to have things my way. And some of you, that's how you operate in your home. My interests, and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to have my way done. Okay? Now, in the passive sense, it means a thing held as a prize. So in an actively, you're going to go get it, but in the passive way, you're like, no, 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 this is mine, and you're never going to let it go. This is me. You guys, if we're, no, you, I'm never going to let go, Jesus is like, I always let go. I'm so not in it for me anymore. Or he never was, actually. So, but he's never in for it. And he lives in you. You guys want an uprising? Then make your joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in one mind. Because here's what I can tell you right now, man. If everyone, this is so cool. Imagine your home. If everyone was valuing the interests of the other, then no one loses who they are or what they like. Do you guys see how that works? No, let me show you. So seriously, if, 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 if you're home, everybody was going, I'm going to value your interest above my own. So then Susie is constantly thinking about what I care about, and she's so interested. So I'm like, oh my gosh, she wants me to do what I like to do. But I'm waking up in the morning going, but I love Susie, and I want to create a quiet space for her so she can read her book and have some tofu, you know? And, and what happens? Now she's in with the same thing for our kids. If we could do this, the beauty of it is that you never lose yourself, but you never had to grasp it. You found it because you loved each other and you valued each other. It is the most beautiful thing, and it can happen in your home. Just value each other more than yourself. Okay? That's number one. Here's number two. Serve each other. Okay? You want an uprising in your home? Serve each other. Look at the scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit in your relationship with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Anybody else in here hate to do dishes? I mean, who hates to do dishes? Can we just have an honest raise of hands? Okay. So when I grew up, I, my family was, there were seven of us. And so after dinner, there were so many dishes it was just, and we, didn't have, you know, we didn't have dishwasher. I had to do them by hand. It was like, oh, I just hated it. 
And I remember, man, on Tuesday nights, my mom and dad would go to choir practice every, every week. And uh, those nights when my mom would walk out of the room and she said, David, there's one thing I want you to do. Just make sure you do the dishes. Oh, man. So then, you know, I get caught up playing, TV, you know, playing games or watching TV, and my mom would come home and the dishes weren't done. Oh, my gosh, all hell would break loose. My mom would be more angry than ever when the dishes weren't done. So I had such a negative taste in my mouth. I hate doing dishes. We get married. I'm like, oh, guys, hate dishes. Susie, can you love to do dishes? Because I hate doing dishes. And then I don't know if you guys ever saw them. They were these little brushes, like a circle of brush, and then the, the dishwashing fluid would be right on the brush. It was like genius. Because I could just take a plate and just go. I'm like, this should be in every marriage counseling session. Super easy way, and I actually started doing dishes to, to the day now, right, where I, I do dishes. I do. So cool. Last week was spring break, and here's Mariah, our 16-year-old daughter. Monday morning, the first thing she did is she got up, and she washed the dishes and cleaned up the whole kitchen. I'm like, who are you, and what have you done with my child? <laughs> but it was so cool to be able to go to her and say, Mo, you have no idea what the, how that blessed me. On that day. You guys, so what are you going to do? Are you going to fight and not, not get engaged and involved? Or are you going to go for it? You want to cause an uprising? Be a servant in your home. And most of us can listen, be super critical with yourself. Go to the depths. Most of us go, no way. Our flesh fights this so bad. And you know what's so funny? I'll find myself serving around the house, but there are actually things that I want done. Right, so then don't, don't I look like a great servant? Actually, I just don't I like that, so I want it done, so I do it. Come on, man. Why do we hate this so much? Why do you not serve your spouse or your kids? Kids, why don't you serve your parents? Well, the word servant comes from the word that means to bind. Who wants to feel like that? It means a slave. It originally was the lowest term in the scale of servitude, and it then eventually came to mean one who gives himself up to the will of another. And most of us walk home, and we're like, I'm not going to give myself up to your will. It's been a hard day. I'm tired. And so stuff doesn't get done, and we start having animosity toward each other. The real issue is we don't want to give ourselves up. Do you guys... Don't miss this dichotomy, okay? Selfish ambition, I'm not going to serve, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And there's tension in your home instead of peace because we're not serving each other. And yet Jesus took on the very nature of a servant, okay? Look at this again. What did he do? He made himself nothing. The actual word means he emptied himself. It means to make something void. This is so beautiful, you guys. Jesus made himself void. When you make something void, it means it has deprives itself of any force and no effect. Here's the question. What was made void or deprived of force with no effect? His self. He voided out his self. 
He did not think of himself or give himself power to make decisions or to be the driving force in his life or decisions or relationships because selfish ambition is demonic. It destroys relationships. So Jesus is the only one who ever walked on this planet and gave himself no power. None. He was totally void of self. And here's happy Easter. You finally can have the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, knit together with your spirit to finally empower you to as well make a decision not based on what you want. And I'm telling you personally, I need him. I need Jesus to fill me up with the power to give myself away. Man, you want an uprising? Then make your joy complete by being like-minded, have the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I'm telling you, in your home, when everybody does this, when everybody serves, it's beautiful. But I tell you what, when it's only one way, when only one of you are serving in the home, it's tough. Right? It's tough. Can I give you good news? Jesus did it one way. Jesus was the one-way servant man, and he never had anybody coming back to him. It wasn't because he was giving. He is the one who gave himself away when nobody was doing anything for him. So, because Jesus is in us, this is when Easter gets practical. This is when the resurrection matters, that Jesus is alive, and he can live in me, and he can actually give me the power to serve. Now, here's, here's important. We need to realize, I'm not, you got to get to the point where you're, I'm not serving so that I get what I want. <laughs> that doesn't work. See, I is empty. There's no I. You guys ever heard this? You know, there's no I in team, right? But did you know there's an M and an E? Does anybody notice that? <laughs> See, if you really dig, you can still find a reason to be selfish. But in Christ, yourself is crucified. I'm dead. Remember last week? Count yourself dead to sin. That means I don't respond to self anymore. And count yourself alive to God. Because Jesus was super responsive to God. And he's living in me. And once Jesus gets in there, you can count yourself dead to self. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Oh my gosh, I feel you. You want me to be so selfish. You want me to care about my own needs and my own interests all the time. But no, I'm not going to respond to that anymore. I died to sin with Christ. And Jesus is in me so I can say yes to God. And if I'm walking with God, I will serve. I'm going to tell you that will cause an uprising in your home. So value each other and serve each other. Here's the last one. Forgive each other. Forgive each other. Here's the truth about home, right? It's really hard to hide at home. We can wear the mask at work. We can wear the mask at school. We're really good at wearing the mask at church, right? Because we only have to be here about an hour and a half. We can totally act like everything's cool. But at home, you actually get to see the real me. And here's what's scary about getting married or living in close quarters with somebody. As soon as somebody sees the real you, you know you're going to blow it. You, there's no, and I want to tell you, man, this is actually one of the greatest evidences for me that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, is that the guys who lived with him 
every day for three years thought he was God. His own brothers, think about this, right? right? Think about your own siblings. His own siblings thought he was God. That is not a problem in our home, okay? (laughs) Any of you think any of your siblings or your parents are God? No, give me about 15 minutes, you're like, yeah, you're not him. But Jesus was able to do that. But in humanity, we're we're screwing up all the time. And some of the greatest damage in the human soul is done at home. You get my worst, and my worst hurts you. Spoken words hurt, or neglect and silence, no interest, broken promises. You will not spend significant time with anyone, roommate, anyone, without needing to forgive them. There's just no way to get around it. Your home may need an uprising of peace and reconciliation and new beginning, but here's what's cool, you guys. Jesus knew that we all would need peace, reconciliation, and a new beginning. Okay? So how do we forgive each other? Okay? Here's a look at this verse. Philippians 2.8. Being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Okay? Why what we celebrated last week? Okay? This is so cool. This is why, this is how the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, can actually have practical influence in your life at home. Okay? What was Jesus doing on the cross? Why did he obey all the way to the cross? Because in Romans 5, you guys can write this verse down. It's not up here. Romans 5, 6 through 10. Listen to this. At just the right time, when you were still powerless, when you were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So you guys, that is so important because what the Bible is saying is when you could do nothing right, powerless, Jesus is like, I love you. When you were ungodly, when you were absolutely against him, when you were sinning and constantly involved in stuff that broke his heart, when you were his enemy in absolute antagonism to him, he's like, I reconcile you to me. I will die for you. On the cross, Jesus was loving you and he was forgiving everything you've ever done. So some of you, you've been hurt, you've been lied to, you've been neglected, you've been let down. How do you have an uprising in your home? It says that Jesus humbled himself. It means to be made low. The actual word means to make into a plain. When I studied that, I thought, oh my gosh, with these mountains that we have, can you imagine these mountains being laid low and nothing but a plain left? How much power that would take? Jesus has the power to be so humble. And he can give it to you. Now, some of you need to be humble. You need to humble yourself and admit your fault. Okay? Some of you are the one who's done the thing that's hurt somebody, and you have to humble yourself and say you're sorry, genuinely and sincerely. But others of you need to humble yourself and forgive the person who hurt you. 
See, when you lay something low, mountains are high and mighty. But high and mighty, this is where judgment comes in. If you have judgment, you actually think you're better than the other person. And that's how you, how you can actually have judgment and you can hold things against somebody because you feel right. You owe me something. You, you place yourself as one who deserves to be paid for something. But so how does Jesus, this is so important, you guys, how does Jesus' death on the cross cause you and empower you to be able to forgive? In Philippians 2.1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in his spirit. Oh, you guys, this is why I love Jesus. I am super encouraged. Because when I got united with Christ, he took all my sin away on the cross. All of it! 52 stinking years worth. And who I'll have or many more I've got. And everything I've ever done wrong, he took upon himself. So I am comforted by his love and united in his death. And so I never will experience any punishment for everything I've ever done wrong. Here's what happened to me. When I got united with Christ, when I was in Christ and in his death, I finally saw clearly all my sin. And it's horrific. And once you see it for what it is, and Jesus goes, I love you, and he forgives you, guess what? It blows you away. And now you finally have something in your heart called grace. (sighs) So when your dad or your wife or your kid or your roommate, a human blows it, you can give what you've been given. And you have a power to be able to forgive. You just, once you understand that, you guys, you cannot and you will not hold it against somebody else. You know what's so cool? I'm so excited for this day. I believe with all my being, if you will value each other, if you will serve each other, and if you will forgive each other, you will have an uprising in your home. It will not be the same. And Jesus Christ is that. This is who he is. And he's living in you. He's living in you. All right? So it's time to worship. You guys ready to worship? You guys know anything weird about our stage? Okay, there's no band today. So we're going to worship in a really different way, in a very cool way today. And we're going to start off by taking our offering, okay, which is what we do right now. So if you came prepared to take the offering, and this is so good, this whole selfish ambition thing, right, that Jesus has none of that inside of himself. I really do think that part of the reason that God established this whole idea of giving back to him was everything God does is for your best. It's so that your heart could be set free from selfish ambition. I'm not, I don't use all my resource for myself. I give back to God. Okay? So if you're prepared to do that, whether it's on our app or on our website or right now in the service, go ahead and let's take our offering together. All right? So how are we going to worship with no band? I'm going to sing. I, I'm kidding. <clears throat> kidding, kidding, kidding. No, I'm not. Here's how we're going to worship. Okay? 
Look at this verse, great verse, Romans chapter 12, 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Okay, start there. Oh my gosh, Jesus has interest in me. Jesus serves me. Jesus forgives me from everything that he has done for you. And then, let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is worship. You guys, you know what worship is? Everybody, everybody in here worships, whether you're a, a religious person or not. What you worship is what you look to to fulfill your life. What you believe is going to fulfill your life becomes the most important thing to you. This is, this is the most important thing because this is what gives me life. So the next thing you know is you devote your life to it. <laughs> you devote your time, your energy, your resource because you actually you end up worshiping. You bow down to it. You do. You, whatever it is you believe will give you and fulfill your life, you give it to. So what's weird is you actually sacrifice things for what you worship. If you worship your job because you think getting lots of money is going to do it, you sacrifice time with your family or you sacrifice what a healthy life, whatever. You sacrifice. So here's what God's saying. You know what worship to me is? Worship is when you believe that I am God and that my ways are right that I'm actually super good and that if you would follow me, you would be fulfilled. Really. This is why Jesus said, he goes, if you drink the water I give to you, you will never thirst again. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually worship him by um, figuring out how to make sacrifices. Okay? Because this is what I talked to you about. No selfish ambition. Instead, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to sacrifice to you, and I'm going to see you and your ways done in my home. So here's what you got to do. You have a white sheet of paper in your program, okay? And I'm sure the Connections team was supposed to make sure that all of you got a pen. So grab that white sheet of paper and a pen, and I'm going to lead you through an exercise of worship here as we close. All right, at the top, at the top of your white sheet, I want you to write, value each other. Just write, value each other. Your first heading. This is super important, man. I hope every one of you will have this sheet. You can stick it in your wallet, put it on your mirror, stick it on your fridge to remind yourself of how you're going to do an uprising in your home. Okay? Now, we spent four weeks talking about how to hear from God. And one of the things, the most important things that we talked about is God will give you thoughts. I'm going to ask you right now, just take a moment and ask God in your own heart, hey, God, what do you want me to know about the issue of valuing each other? God, what do you want me to know in my home about this issue of valuing others' interests more than my own? And write down what comes to your mind. Just write it down.
My guess is that even while his word, spoke written word, the scripture was coming to you, you probably were hearing thoughts. Here's a second thing, ask him. In view of you, Jesus, who's concerned about other interests more than your own, what do you want me to do? In my home, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to value the people in my home's interests more than my own? And write that down. And if you truly want to worship Jesus, you'll go home and you'll do what he just revealed to you. And I'm telling you, it'll end up being a God thing. It'll end up being a God thing. And you can start to see an uprising happen in your home. Okay? That's worship. Trusting, trusting him and following him. Okay, second heading, write down on your sheet, serve each other. Write down, serve each other. And again, you may have already heard, had thoughts come to your mind while you were listening to the message, but right now, ask God, ask Him, God, what do you want me to know in my home about this issue of serving each other? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you about serving? And now ask him very specifically, and what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? My spouse, my kids, my mom and dad, my brothers and sisters, my roommate. Okay, now this next thing is super important. Super important. Because religion is when you try to do stuff to earn God's favor. That is not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is when you receive Christ, He lives in you. And this is how He lives. This is the way of Jesus. So what we're going to do is we have communion set up right here on both sides, in the back, and in, uh, right at the top on both sides. And what Jesus said is, he goes, hey, listen, this is super important that you remember this. 
You've got to remember that I died and rose again so you and I could have communion. So that you and I could be together. So that my spirit could join your spirit and set you free from sin and selfish ambition and instead empower you to love. Okay? So we've got to remember this all starts with receiving from him so that we have what it takes to actually do this. So if you've made a decision for Christ, okay, then this communion is for you. So I just want you to go ahead, get up, and take uh, the cup, take a piece of bread, and then go back to your seat and just hold it. We're all going to take it together, okay? So go ahead, everybody. Let's take a moment, grab communion, go back. You can sit with it, hold it, meditate, meditate while you sit there, and think about this life of Christ and how he wants to live it in your home.
All right. So go ahead and grab the bread. Why does Jesus say, I want you to remember this. What he said was, this is my body broken for you. What does that mean? It means that Jesus was saying, I love you. Your need is way more important to me. So I will give you my life. I will literally sacrifice my very life for you. I'll break it down. And it's so beautiful, but we know that he also rose again so that he could live in us. And so what's cool when you take communion and this goes down in you, you can remember the one who breaks his body for others is living in me. I am so loved. Jesus, empower me to love. Okay? So let's take and eat in remembrance of Christ's body broken for us. All right? And then he took the cup and he said, this represents my blood shed for you. He goes, I love you so much that while you were still sinner, while you were against me, when you were powerless, I died for you because in my blood, the life is in the blood. So I totally forgive you. So in Christ, he goes, you, you are completely washed away. All of your sin washed away. Everything you've ever done, ever will do. This is the greatest news in all the world, you guys. And so why does he say, remember this? Because when you remember all of your sin, even maybe confess right now, God, I confess, man, I am so into my own interests instead of those of my family. God, I, I, never, I, I confess to you, I'm not a servant at all in my family. Whatever it is. And Jesus is just sitting there ready to go, and I totally forgive you. And then once you're forgiven for everything you've ever done, now you have a power to forgive others. So let's take and drink in remembrance. Jesus Christ, blood has made us at peace with God. Let's do it. Now, in light of that, grab your sheet and write the last one on there. How are you going to have an uprising at home? You're going to forgive each other. Because of the cross and because I'm totally forgiven, I will not demand but forgive. So here's all you need to say. Jesus, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to know about forgiving And again, for some of you, he may be speaking to you in the need to confess that you've hurt somebody. And for others of you, Jesus may be speaking to you about the need you have to completely 
forgive as you've been forgiven. You're in Christ. What's he want to say to you about forgiveness? Okay, now just ask him, what do you want me to do? Jesus, what do you want me to do? I plead with you, brothers and sisters, to give your bodies to God because of everything that he's done for you. And let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I'm telling you, if you'll do that by thinking of others' interests more than yourself, serving each other and forgiving each other, you'll experience the power of God. And it will make a difference in your home. It will. All right? So let me just pray. I'm going to pray for you. I just want to pray a blessing over all of you and your relationships. God, we worship you. Jesus, thank you for being the image of the invisible God. That in your life, we got to see the glory of God. And it was you completely empty of yourself. It was you, instead of self, filled with love. And it's the glory of God. And God, we just thank you for Easter. We thank you for loving the world so much that you would send Jesus to save us from our sin, to save us from our selfishness, to rescue us from being a slave to sin, doing whatever our selfish nature said, but now we're dead to sin. <laughs> we don't respond to it anymore. And because you've given us your spirit, we can be alive to you. We can finally be responsive to you. And you are the ultimate holy love. God, thank you for speaking this morning. I pray now that you would empower every one of us in this room to walk out of here and actually worship you, to actually do the thing that you've asked us to do, to value each other. Whatever you said, give them power to think about the other's interests and not their own, to serve each other and to forgive each other. Lord, do an uprising in our homes so that the way we walked in, they don't have to be that way anymore. We give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.